I would be honored to have a bodily movement phenomenon named after myself for the show. Like, personally, I'm going to tell you right now. I think the, the sensation or loss of sensation or feeling in your feet from sitting on a toilet for too long could and maybe should be called the privy cast effect. Welcome back to Privy. Privy is a podcast about bathrooms recorded here today in my home bathroom. I'm your host, Hunter Hoover, and man, I love bathrooms. And more importantly, I'm very thankful for bathrooms. I had an interesting thought this week, and it's one that uh, might make you a little more scared of like tall people interacting in a bathroom space. But like stalled dividers are not tall enough. And I'm sure we'll hit this one day on the show, but like when I'm sitting doing my doing my business and you know I I hear the door like creak and I hear the footsteps plump, 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 coming through and I hear the guy coming through and I can like see the top of their like forehead like their forehead as they like check to see if the stall is open if they if that person goes tippy toe they're gonna see me making brown and so I think like. I think they need to just regulate, change the regulation, like standard size that these doors and dividers are, because there are some, there's some tall people and, you know, and I think, yeah, yeah, there's some tall people out there and most of them are, are totally chill, very respectful, but I also know of some tall folks that if they knew that, especially if they knew that the person was on the other side was someone they knew, you know they're going tippy toes just to be funny. Uh, and I, I think that we need to make those stall doors and wall dividers just just bigger. I'm just taller in general. But yeah, I mowed my lawn again today, and um, I gotta tell you, so I I have solved the Red Robin situation. Uh, the culprit is the campfire sauce. That stuff's delicious, and I've been explained it has mayonnaise in it, uh, which is very saddening because I, I think mayonnaise is absolutely abysmal. But yeah, so the campfire sauce is the culprit because we went out as a family to to Red Robin. I had a burgie and fries. No problems. Uh, everything's good in the hood. But I will say that I then returned to Red Robin the following evening. Yes, I... I this week I went too deep on Red Robin and one was my choice and the other was I won't say against my will because I had all the freedoms to not to but I was coerced into the second round of Red Robin and I don't know what it was but I, it, all I had was mac and like I had a bite of some fries and some mac and cheese that night and man I went like 345 woke up just everything's liquid oops all liquid and that's kind of been my situation so it comes full circle because like i said i mowed the lawn and then i promptly uh my mom uh gave me a haircut i get my haircut by my mom because it's um better and cheaper than going to anywhere else to have it done uh i'm a simple person i like a simple haircut and so uh my mom does a good job at that and i'm not going to change nothing about it but uh, i got my haircut and i went home to get a shower after the haircut and wouldn't you know, you're, you're freshly cleaned, you're freshly laundered, you've laundered yourself, and you get out, 
And what do you know? You gotta you gotta go to the bathroom. And when you do that, you might as well just get back in the shower because especially when you're dealing with Red Robin leftover day two liquid dumpies, uh, it, it's just not good. And so, yeah. But thank God I was in the, the privacy of my own bathroom and I didn't have to fear some tall bloke walking in and tippy-toeing, taking a peek at me. Man. Anyway, uh, this week on the show, we are going to visit a phenomenon that is equal parts psychology, I believe. Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. So there's that up front, uh, or medical, and maybe just like a social phenomenon. And before we talk about this phenomenon, we we have to talk all about books. Uh, and we need to start earlier because you know we can't just dive straight in. So books, in the 1400s, <laughs> we're going back, Johannes Gutenberg uh, invented the printing press with a movable type. And if you've, I think, attended like probably seventh grade history and paid attention, that's the key part. I'm learning that um, as I work in an education field that um, just because a material is taught does not mean that it was learned. Um, and so a, a big piece of learning is paying attention to the thing that is being taught to you. So it, uh, shout out to everyone who paid attention in middle school history. Uh in the 1400s, Johannes Gutenberg invented the printing press with movable type. This invention allowed people to publish printed material much faster and much easier because prior to this, everything had to be handwritten. And I'm going to try to do quickly the, the back end of the, like, oh, the history dump here. You know, like nowadays, everybody, think of it like this. You might think like, oh, why is, why is Hunter talking about the printing press, for goodness sakes? Well, so nowadays, everybody and their white friend has a blog where they can publish things on the internet. There's not a lot of things like stopping people from propagating their views. Like, it's relatively easy to get a printed, not a printed, but like ideas out to a group of people. It's not that hard. And it's kind of like white dudes with podcasts. Am I right? <laughs> oh, uh, wait a minute. Dang it. That's me. Uh, but with the printing press, books and other printed material became more and more readily available. And with supply, demand will be created. Turns out, um, these books that were being printed on this newly invented printing press could turn a profit. Uh, a guy could make some serious money selling these things. And once something begins to turn a profit, you know folks are going to start selling them. And, and so the sale of books began, and it happened for some time. Uh, and and it, wasn't, it, isn't, it isn't until the early 1770s. So here in America at the time, we're planning to revolutionize and separate from England. But in England, for most, life went on. Unless you're the king, he had a big problem to deal with. In 1773, the son of a shoemaker, which could be one of those like good Christian swear word alternatives to keep from saying the real thing, son of a shoemaker. Uh, it, yeah. Anyway, a guy by the name of James Lackington, uh, the shoemaker's son that I was just telling you about, he was quite the businessman. Uh, he taught himself to read in the streets of, of England and opened his own street-side sweet shop. 
he was an entrepreneur from a pretty young age. In 1773, this guy, uh, James Lackington, moved to London. Uh, and he was awesome. Uh, if you like books or libraries or knowledge or learning or like believe that knowledge and, and those things should be available to everybody, you should probably know who James Lackington is. Because before Barnes & Noble existed to sell books and nooks and, and eventually be put out of business by Chancellor Jeffy B's Amazon conglomerate, Lackington was opening and revolutionizing bookstores in Europe. First, uh, he believed that all people should be able to have access to books, despite economic, social, or gender, any of those, no, nothing should be uh, hindering someone's access to learning. And as a result, he believed in keeping the cost of his books low. To do so, he refused to accept credit to keep the costs lower. Uh, and he sold used books and actually went about printing different authors' works to be sold in his stores. One of his bookstores, the, the biggest and most prominent of Lackington's stores, was, was called the Temple of the Muses. And it was kind of like a library, but where you could buy the books, like it was a bookstore, but it was huge. New books and old wares were sold in Lackington's stores. Uh, and he paved the way for many of the modern approaches to book sales. Well, at least prior to the internet. Like back when bookstores were like the thing, they're probably still the thing. We need to bring these back. Like we've brought back going and sitting in a coffee shop and doing some work. We need to bring back going and sitting in a bookstore. It's a good thing. One of the tenets Lackington wanted was for people to have the ability to browse books and read a bit of the book before purchasing so they knew that it was a, that it was a, 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 a volume that they wanted. The stories and his grand Temple of the Muses were arranged to encourage people to navigate it in a way that would cause them to spend more time around the literature. Uh, and, and so he, the stores in his grand temple were, were uh, laid out much like if you hear that and you go, man, like that, that sounds a lot like Target's tactics. Um, and we're going to see that it's not far off. But like the way Target is laid out, I don't know if you knew this. If you did, good for you. But the way Target is laid out is literally designed for you to spend the most money while you were in their store. Uh, that's why most of them have like a Starbucks and uh, the things are laid out in, in a very specific way to encourage you to spend the most money that you possibly can. Thanks, Target. If you're like me, and you, you're definitely like my wife, uh, you like to walk around bookstores. And I especially like used bookstores. There's something about the process that is just calming and soothing. You get to look at and read portions of books before you buy them. And the books are organized in such a way, uh, particularly, that really scratches like a nerd itch of most people who like bookstores. It's, it's got all these different categories. And inside those categories, there's an organization. And there's like, if you ever be like those people who watch the like organizing the drawer TikTok videos, 
bookstores scratch that same itch. It's it's just like shelves and shelves of books, but they're organized and you can sense that. And there, there's this smell of books. And as there is so often the smell of coffee from maybe a coffee shop in the store, more on that in a little bit. This is such a common experience, like going to a bookstore. And if you haven't been to a bookstore, I'd encourage you to get, get up in one soon. Because as I stated, old Chancellor Jeffy B would probably love nothing more than to put them all out of business. So get up in one. But there's this common experience for most people in a bookstore. And for other people, there, there may be more people than perhaps we would like to admit, and definitely more than we would like to know about. They experience something called Mariko Aoki Phenomenon. Mariko Aoki was a Japanese, well, just citizen, uh, who wrote into um, the Reader's Letters column section in a magazine called Book Magazine, which is one of uh, Japan's magazines focusing on book releases and culture, that type thing. Uh, it's a book magazine, you know, and she wrote in to share, uh, like, just a reader response type thing. And in her column that she, in her response that she wrote, uh, Mariko Aoki expresses that when she goes to a bookstore, when she's in a bookstore, that frequently, after spending some time in the bookstore, and later uh, on in, in other, like, interviews and other stuff, um, that she has revealed that it's usually around the one hour in the bookstore mark. Mariko Aoki reports that she is hit, quote, with the sudden and intense urge, and now this is unquote where I add, to, to poop, to defecate. And it is clear that this is a sudden and urgent urge. It's not like, oh man, uh, I feel like the Wendy's, you know, spicy chicken sandwich that I had has finally worked its way through. And, and oh man, right when I was looking at the Harry Potter section, you know what I'm saying? No, this is, uh, comes from nowhere and it's repeated. And so she writes into this book magazine, this column saying, Hey, like when I'm in a bookstore, I, I don't know what it is, but it just, it makes me have to go poop. And after this, the culture in Japan was like, Hey, you know what? I also have had that. Like, I also have to go poop when I am browsing the, the books. And, and though the phenomenon existed, like there's people who have in the past reported kind of this type thing, it now had a name because after folks began reading this article and attributing this phenomenon to the author of this column section, this poor lady, like, she's just trying to write an experience that she has and share like part of her experience with this community that she's involved in, in this magazine. And as a result in doing so the whole nation and now the whole world is like, Hey, you know what? When you stroll through your Barnes and Nobles or your, you know, if you want to go more local to where I'm at here over in Albany, shout out to browsers or the book bin up in Salem, shout out to those. Uh, and I feel like I have to drop a big dumpy I'm going to call that something. And now I'm going to name it after this lady. I'm going to call it the Mariko Aoki phenomenon. That's what it is. When I have to poop in Barnes and Nobles, it's Mariko Aoki. And though I'd be honored to have that privilege, like me personally, Hunter, I would be honored to have a bodily movement phenomenon named after myself for the show. Like personally, I'm going to tell you right now, 
I think the the sensation or loss of sensation or feeling in your feet from sitting on a toilet for too long could and maybe should be called the privy cast effect. Uh, it's just a thought. And that's just me. And it's definitely just maybe something that's like kind of tertiarily related to me and my current situation. But I digress. Anyway, this lady writes in and is like, hey, I have I have to take big store, big bookstore beefers whenever I'm strolling through the shelves looking at all the things. And the Mariko Aoki phenomenon is weird. <laughs> if I didn't need to explain that, I just did. But it's weird particularly for like two main reasons. The first is, as you may guess, they don't really have like a, a real explanation for why this happens. Like there are hop- hypotheses and guess. Hypothesi? Hip. I don't know what the plural for hypothesis is, but uh, they have those. Uh, And and there's some beliefs about what could cause this sensation. But, okay, so one of, I'm just going to go through the, the people's thoughts on what caused this. So the first is some believe that the smell of printed material or books uh, is what does it. And the thinking here goes like this. After the creation of the printing press, see, I brought it all back, people began to realize that they could take that printed material, a book if you will, with them to the privy chamber or outhouse or what have you back in the day, and reading on the toilet has long been a thing. We discussed it in a previous episode. Over time, the thought and smell of a good book gets associated with going to the bathroom. So, When you are then in the bookstore, your brain gets it crossed with potty time. Oh, get a big drag of them books. You smell the, oh, it's potty time. That's what's going on here. And here's the deal. Like, if this was the case, wouldn't then this happen anytime you read or got involved with a book? Like, I guess the notion is like you are in there for like an hour at this point. But as we're going to see... In my humble opinion, there is much more here than just a Pavlovian-like trained response to the smell of books. Another guess as to what's going on is that you are simultaneously, as you're browsing the bookstore, you are simultaneously moving around the shelves and squatting and bending to look at books on lower shelves. And this, quote, exercise that you are getting as you move around the bookstore, squatting, bending over, doing this, coupled with the motion of your eyes and the motion of your body through the, through the lines of shelves, um, creates a response that causes you to have to go to the bathroom. Now, it is common knowledge that exercise and that type thing can get the brown moving down. But there's this idea that, like, how, how strenuous is this? Like, and if that's the case, wouldn't just, like, basic supermarket shopping do the same thing? Like, I go way harder in the paint when I'm grocery shopping than when I'm browsing a bookstore. You know, you're pushing that big cart. You know, you got, you got like, if you got kids, you got usually at least one, but probably two gallons of milk minimum in that cart. It's, it's getting full of liquids. Kids put away some liquids, man. They're like liquid fiends. Uh, but, you know, you're pushing that heavy cart around. You're going you're gonna to build up a way bigger sweat than just, like, looking at Barnes & Noble's books. Like, not... Nah, this one, this is like out of shape people. I'm out of shape. What am I saying? But this is like people that are like, oh, man, I really worked up a sweat at Barnes and Nobles today. 
Uh, I better go and like, oh, I bet that's why I had to poop. Yeah, not likely. Um, there's another idea that is when people are in a bookstore, they feel comforted or peaceful <laughs> that like, you know, it's the idea of like curling up and reading a good book. Uh, and the idea is that these people, when they're in a bookstore, they, they, they regularly, when they regularly seek out a nice book to relax and wind down in a context where your body might not have been in wind down mode, it receives the signal to wind down and could get crossed uh, and flush the pipe right down the middle of the Barneys. You know what I'm saying? Another option offered is just the sheer amount of information. Now, I like this one. That so much knowledge is being presented to a person that it produces either stress in the bookstore situation that it leads so like stress leads to needing to void your whole noise. But it also is just like so much knowledge is so moving. Like there's one report that somebody's like, yeah, I'm just so moved by the amount of knowledge in bookstores that I, I just have to go. Here's okay. It would also work in a library uh, and in a museum at that point. So like, I don't know about that. Uh, another culprit. And, and I think this one has for me personally, uh, as you know, I am what they might call a coffee addict. And the smell and presence of coffee in bookstores nowadays. Now, you know, back when James Lackington's bookstore was on the scene, I don't think they had coffee inside the bookstore. I might be wrong on that. He might have been just like revolutionary, but I could not find that. But as you drink and smell the coffee walking around the bookstore, like the process could trigger something in your brain and bowels as coffee has laxative properties. But here's the thing. I think people have spent so much time trying to blame one specific thing for the cause of Mariko Aoki, when in fact, if it is anything, it's probably the sum of all these parts. Like, it's probably all these things working together to then cause a person have to make Big Brown. All these things working together is likely the culprit. But the second reason that Mariko Aoki is, is so wild... Uh, is that whatever the reason it happens or why they think a lot of people a lot of people report having this phenomenon like it Mariko Aoki was not the only person who had it Miss Aoki wrote in and everybody in the world was like what in the heck no on the contrary they responded by going yes finally at last somebody has named my weird thing I, and and now I will name this my weird thing after her so that it doesn't get named after me Tests have been run to try and get to the bottom of it. What, what causes this? There are reports from doctors reporting that they've had patients come in and ask if it's a thing, saying it's a phenomenon they experience. And I think in, in this, like, why does it happen thing, I think there's a couple bits here. First, there, there is some familiarity or confirmation bias. I don't think that's the right term. But, like, something at play here. Because let's say this happens once. You're, you know, you're strolling, you're strolling browsers, you're looking through about 45 minutes in. Oh man. And the 245 pressure system rolls into the gut zone. Linda's just putzing along in her white slacks, and Doc Brown comes screaming into the situation. She has to go. And so she rushes to the back to the toilet to deposit her thing. And then, you know, let's say six months, few weeks, month or so later, how often do you go to a bookstore anyway? Like I think a person goes to the bookstore maybe once a month. I don't know. I'm not that big of a nerd to be able to say that. Uh, I'm sorry. 
you write in and tell me how often a nerd goes to the bookstore, I guess, if you want to out yourself as that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, Linda's, put, Linda's putzing around. And then a month later, she goes back to the bookstore. And, you know, she's rolling through the graphic novels, trying to decide between the most recent Peanuts collection and Batman comic. And here he is. A completely different type of Charlie Brown has arrived. And Linda's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've been here before. Like... I have been in this store strolling for books, looking for something to read, and had to poop before, and that's weird. And then once your brain makes the connection, it will go find the connection. This repeat situation suggests to the person's brain that this is a thing that causes the bathrooming. Being in a bookstore in their brain is what caused the bathroom movement. We've made a connection. And though there is probably times where we go to the bookstore and don't have to poop, our brain trains itself to recognize these patterns. And here's the wild part about our, about our brain. Our brain also works in the sense of while we are trained to find that pattern, it can also become a Pavlovian experience where then when we have that too many times and we come to realize it, then our brain associates bookstore browsing with bookstore browning and we'd have to poop more often while in the bookstore and it, it, it's a slippery slope our brain itself it like recognizes these patterns and what is probably just a coincidence is probably helped along by a few precipitating factors in the bookstore which we mentioned earlier this can be across people by the way because we love sharing experiences like people love to make connections with shared experience and our brain naturally looks to make connections. So when we hear one person has to poop when they're in Barnes and Nobles, we go, man, when I was in browsers, I had to take a liquid shaz. And, you know, when I read in that magazine that some lady named Mariko Aoki was the same thing. Yeah, she was right. What should we call that? I wish there was a name for it. A second thing at play here is people want to have one thing that they can point to as why they experience something. Like, it's easier to blame one thing than say, well, it could be a big group of like 40 things. And so often they look to just a single, like, th it's this, this is the reason that I had to poop rather than, well, it was maybe these nine things. And so what is purely needing to go to the bathroom becomes needing to go to the bathroom because you were in the bookstore. In short, I'm not convinced, um, but I do know that the phenomenon itself is real. And here's what I mean. I think people do have to use the bathroom in bookstores, but I also believe that different people have this sensation based on all sorts of places. And I think the number one underlying reason is anxiety or what is stress in a situation. And the reason I think that is that I have this, not for bookstores, but as you're going to hear in this Hunter's Anecdotes to keep you afloat. I want to briefly describe, like... I didn't know it was called this back then, but I think I have my own little version of a Mariko Aoki. So when I was growing up, 
uh, my mom's not really like a fan of water. Uh, and so if I wanted to go to the pool, my dad had to take me to the pool. Uh, and so I remember this one day, uh, it, you know, it was always like, I feel like we were always late leaving for the pool. Uh, but you know, my dad's like trying to get us out the door and I'm in the truck ready to head to the pool and it hits me. Like I have to go to the bathroom. So I like, run back into the house and I, man, I have diarrhea and you know, I'm probably like nine or 10 at this point, maybe 11. I don't know. I'm somewhere in there. And as you know, if you have like liquefied back, back door, you're not supposed to go to the pool. Like, and so I, there's no way I'm sharing the information that I have diarrhea because I, I, I liked going swimming at the time, but I also had some anxiety about going to the pool. And so I, I mean, it was like clockwork that every time that I knew we were going to the pool in my brain, I would have to do diarrhea. Uh, and so like, and kind of like these people are describing with this bookstore, like I associated going to the pool with having to do diarrhea. And over time, it wasn't probably every time, but in my brain, I, every time I went to the pool, I had to, I just had to go to the bathroom. It just happened. And so this one time, you know, I think we were already in town and we decided to go to the pool and we just went and changed there. And so I didn't have a chance to have this like big anxiety stricken, like diarrhea buildup moment. And so we went out and I, you know, me being a kid, I went just, just got sully deep into, uh, the like small end of Gibson pool in great falls. Uh, and I remember, you know, you're like swimming and splashing around and everybody farts in the pool. Like that's just kind of a thing. And you let the bubbles do their thing. But I, I went to fart and you know how, like when you go to fart, but you, you're gonna have a, a runny buddy come out and you're like, as soon as the runny buddy begins to make the breach, everything is just like, like, um, one of those like steel doors at the banks so just, wow, just slam shut it's like catch it before it gets out um well that was my butt when i went to fart in gibson pool but what came out was not air but was the beginning of of liquid shaz uh and so mariko aoki i have this moment where i was like oh my gosh i'm in the pool just like last time i had to go when i was at the pool and i'm like trying to get to the edge trying not to diarrhea myself and thank god i didn't diarrhea the pool um, I definitely didn't tell my dad. I'm just like, oh yeah, I gotta go to the bathroom. Um, but you know, and I definitely didn't make it known how big of a deal and emergency that was. But like, we, w I almost shut down that pool if I hadn't made it that day. Yeah, and so like, I definitely believe that this is real because I had this phenomenon, still do kind of, uh, due to just the anxiety of pools. Uh, when I had to go to the pool, I just had to go to the bathroom different. Yeah, so I probably overshared on that, but this has been Hunter's Anecdotes to keep you afloat. Mariko Aoki. Uh, it's a wild thing. It's a strange phenomenon. Yeah, it's a wild world. But wherever the urge strikes you, I hope it's somewhere where you can make the deposit because imagine if this is like your Mariko Aoki spot is a place where there's no amenities. That's no good. I would like to hear from you. Reach out and let us know uh, online. Uh, where the urge hits you every time. You can use Privy Oh No 
uh hashtag privy oh no uh and and uh let us know where your mariko aoki spot is uh and and even send us a picture of that you know it can be just like walmart the movie theater uh those type things hashtag privy oh no you can follow us on social media we are at privy cast um feel free to tag the show with all your toilet pics and bathroom things um just get some get some stuff going over there and you can send your stuff, uh, if you have it, to privycast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to write us a word. Tell us hello. Say what's up. Uh, and I will, if, if you say hi, I will definitely answer you back. Yeah. We would love for you to leave us a rating or review. The five-star option is our preferred. Uh, Spotify is very easy to do that. It has reviews now. Um, and it takes, as you're listening, it takes literally five seconds to leave a review. And so, yeah. Leave, leave the episode a review on, on Apple Podcasts. We'll try to read some of those reviews here coming up. Um, and if you're interested, if you're, if you're a listener of the show uh, and you have a, a potty story that you're interested in sharing, uh, send us an email. Hit us up. Uh, we would love to have you and, and chat with you and ask you stupid questions about toilets and uh, waffle stomping and those type things. As always, we want to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of Barroom Ballet. As our intro and outro music, you can find Kevin's music at incompetech.com, and his music is licensed under Creative Commons License Attribution 4.0. Thanks, Kevin. We would also like to thank Poddington Bear for the use of all the colors in the world as the Hunter's Anecdote intro and outro music. You can find Poddington Bear's music at poddingtonbear.com. Thanks, Poddington. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been another episode of Privy. Thank you for listening. And now, as always, don't forget to flush.